Welcome back to the Spiritually Inspired Podcast. I'm your manifesting coach, Sarah Ray, and today I'm joined by the beautiful Maria Verdeshi, who is an acclaimed psychic medium, which is totally my jam. I'm a baby psychic medium. <laughs> so I'm joined by a really talented and beautiful psychic medium today. She's also a best-selling author, a teacher, and a coach. She is also a Reiki master like myself. We have a lot in common. Except for the one thing we don't have in common is that she knows a lot more about our topic today than I do, which is why I wanted to bring her on and talk about it, which is kind of a heavy topic, and that is that of narcissism. Um, so we probably have some myths we need to bust a little bit. We have some things that need to be cleared up in the air, um, and it's kind of a heavy topic. But we're here today to make light of it and to learn about it, and we hopefully we'll be better and whole people by the end of this episode. So thank you very much, Maria, for joining us today to talk about such a topic. Thank you, Sarah. And thank you for having me on your podcast today. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. So I like to just start off with basic definitions. What is it that we're talking about here when we say narcissism and narcissist? What does that mean? So, well, for me and um, the narcissist is that one where you can't really reason with the person. And when you want to have a, just a logical conversation about, Hey, you know what, this is kind of bothering me or, you know, I don't know. Can we talk about this? It's right away. And especially for people that feel things more that are more in tune to energy. I'm, I'm going to use the word empaths. I know that word is thrown around so much right now, but I'm going to use that word um, that just feel it because then the narcissist's hair starts going up where they're like, what? What? No, I'm perfect. What? Are, it's you. It's not me. And then as the energy sensitive person, we start walking on eggshells going, oh, oh, I better not bring that up. Mm -hmm. I don't want to wake the bear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up empaths because narcissism is a diagnosable personality disorder by a psychologist, right? And empaths and narcissists, they find each other. <laughs> they, they tend to find each other. Um, a lot of the women I've interviewed on this podcast before have had experiences with narcissistic relationships, whether it be a significant other or a parent or whatever else. And it causes a lot of problems, but it also does eventually in hindsight, open up the door to growth. So how come people like us who are empaths and we are big feelers, as you say, we're the, the psychics of the world, the sensitive people of the world, how come narcissists tend to flock to us? How come we're so appealing in that way? Oh my God, they love us. They do. And they love us because we are the ones that are filled with so much energy. And it's a, oh, you need my help? Of course I can help you. What do you need? What? And then when they start throwing things on us, like, well, you've changed and you're not like you were in the beginning of the relationship. You were so much more giving. Then we kind of stop and go, oh, well, I can give more. I can give more because we are so giving and loving and loyal. We are so loyal. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it, is, um, it can be one of our faults. 
And we want to try to make that square peg fit in the round hole because we're going to give it our best shot. And, and we're all in. We are all in this relationship where the narcissist, they've got their big toe in, but then they've got the other four toes in four other relationships. Because they are always working on another relationship. They, they want that high. They want that high of when you first meet someone and it's all exciting and that person just thinks you're the best. They want to always try to have that feeling. Um, and we're just so, I'm going to say it again, we are loyal to a fault at times. And I have a lot of women that come to me for readings and all of a sudden their loved ones on the other side when they bring up the relationship when they start sprinkling the eggshells for me that's when I step back and go oh does your husband or boyfriend or wife do they have narcissistic tendencies and they kind of step back and they're like how did you know well your loved one's telling me they're sprinkling the eggshells that is my sign for that. And it's, we feel it in our gut and we'll feel that something's off. We'll sit there and go, God, something's off, but it must be me. It's not them. It's me. I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. And it's always, we're, we're putting this on ourselves to do better and try harder. But what I also tell people is if it feels off, it's off. And yeah. if they don't want to talk about it, that's a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect gateway into one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this episode with you is to point out narcissistic tendencies. What are those red flags? Can we list off of some? Can you tell me more about how what we can be on the lookout for, as, especially as empaths and as empathic women? What do we need to know about what narcissists do so that we know when we're dealing with one. So in the very beginning, let's talk about that love bombing stage yeah. where you sit there and go, oh my God, this is so nice, but can it be real? So if it seems too good to be true, 99% it is, yeah. but also you're going to have this gut feeling that something's off, but you're going to want to keep talking yourself out of it. Don't. Do not talk yourself out of it because, again, I'm going to say this a couple times during this interview, your gut is never wrong and you're going to feel it in the solar plexus, thoughts, feelings, emotions. That solar plexus, it's going to feel off. And it is. So you're going to look for those red flags. Um, another red flag will be they've got their phone with them all the time and they're looking at it. They're texting. Well, who are you texting? Well, why are, why are you all in my business? You're allowed to ask your partner who they're texting. That, that's not an off-limits question. But we're made to feel like these simple questions are off-limits, and we shouldn't be asking it. If they're taking that phone to the bathroom, if they're just always kind of hiding it and then laughing and then saying, well, aren't you paranoid? No, it's always the deflection, right? Always, always, yeah. always, always. So then it has us second guessing everything going, 
well, maybe that is kind of bitchy of me. Maybe it's not my business. But we're the first to answer when they say, who are you texting? Who's calling? We're the, because we have nothing to hide. We're an open book. So red flag, if they can, if your partner cannot be an open book like you are, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, they don't want to have a conversation either. That's another red flag of where if you raise your voice a little bit, or if you are not in agreement with everything that they say, or in agreement with their beliefs, and then this leads to some problems, we don't have to be in agreement with our partner's beliefs. We, we need to respect our partner and respect their beliefs. And we mm -hmm. should be able to have a civil conversation about things without it escalating. Absolutely. Yeah. I like how you phrased it that way, because we're not always going to have the same opinions as every other person in our life, but the discussion, the opportunity to discuss is important. The ability to discuss is important and healthy, but it's also a, I'm allowed to have my opinion, but you're not allowed to have your opinion sort of a thing. And a narcissist is going to try so hard to isolate you from wow. everyone else. But why, why do they do that? They just want you to rely on them so that you, they, they are your main source of support and then they've got you. They've got you because you're leaning on them for everything. So just know that you never have to lean on one person for everything. You know, it's it's more about a partnership. So if it doesn't feel like a partnership, again, red flag. Um, they'll always have you doing, they, they will occupy your time, meaning they're going to have you run errands. They're going to have you do all these little, I'll call chores, um, checking off things on the list that they give you. They're also going to have you, um, if they're, depending on what kind of work that they do, they're going to get you involved where either you're going to be like, I'll say campaigning for them. Um, and you might find yourself doing that anyways, because Friends are going to be dropping off and you're going to be like, oh my God, what, what, what's wrong with me? What's going on? You know, a lot of the times they can't stand being around your partner. It, it's that narcissist. And also the narcissist does this. They, they pit little ideas in your head of, oh, well, that's odd. I don't know why that happened. But really, they're part of the, they're, they're 90% of the problem and why it happened and why these people are dropping off. So is there that element of gaslighting a little bit where purposefully telling someone that they're wrong, even though you know that they're not? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Gaslighting it, is so harmful for so many reasons. It, it, it is because then we're just sitting there and we're kind of spinning for a while going, okay, I, I don't, maybe it is me. What did I do? What's going on? Why is that person not talking to me anymore? 
and you kind of go into this little tailspin, but all along you find yourself sticking up for the narcissist, always sticking up for the narcissist. Red flag. Yeah. Even though you can kind of sense maybe deep down something's off, but there's not nothing off with them because not only do they tell you this, but you've been convinced there's nothing wrong with them, but there is something wrong somewhere. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then they'll also, they, they're always doing the blame game and it's always poor me. They, they're always the victim. Always. Mm. So you might notice, you know, that, oh, what happened to Tony? You and Tony were good friends, sweetie. What happened? You know what? I don't know. I did so much for Tony. And he just, I don't know. He doesn't talk to me. I don't know. No. Really what it is, is that he was an asshole to Tony. And for so many years, and Tony finally said, I'm done. I'm not being your friend anymore. You're an asshole. Um, you'll also notice family things going on. But again, your narcissist is going to play the victim. I don't know. I'm so nice to my family. They just, I'm kind of like the black sheep in the family. Um, they all get along great. And then there's me. I don't know. And in front of you, they'll play the perfect son or the perfect daughter with how they dote on them. But if you're around long enough, they can't hide it forever. Then you start seeing it. You start seeing the rage because all along, I wanna say this too, as empaths, you felt that rage that they have. Mm -hmm. That's part of why you agree with them a lot because in your mind you go, I don't know, does this really, matter? I'm just going to say yes, because does it really matter? So it, it's to just keep going along with them so you don't bring up this volcano that's in them, but it will come out. It will come out with their family and you'll see it, but you might make up an excuse as to, or believe them when they say, you know what? I really tried to keep it back. I really tried to, but they just keep pushing me and I'm so nice to them. But if you really paid attention, you'll see that it wasn't them. It was the narcissist. Do narcissist families exist? Or like if your person is a narcissist, is it likely that there's another narcissist in the family or do they just kind of bloom on their own? I think a lot of times there is another narcissist in the family, but I also don't think it has to be that way, that there's another narcissist. I think sometimes it's that the narcissists were so bullied as a kid. Mm -hmm. There was a trauma that happened in their childhood that just kind of made them go, oh, and then they just started thinking differently, treating people differently due to this trauma, whether it being bullied, uh, maybe sexually abused, some kind of trauma. Um, but a, a lot of times there will be a parent, yeah. but not always because everybody's always looking for, okay, which parent is it? It's not always that one of their parents are. Mm -hmm. 
you just touched on one of my questions I wanted to ask you is how do narcissists come about? Now, is it just like maybe one traumatic event or probably more likely I would think repeated traumatic events and then it becomes like a sort of coping mechanism? Like how does the, how do they get this way? I believe repeated um, events, like let's take bullying. If they were bullied their entire childhood, they had coping mechanisms. Yeah. And these coping mechanisms then morphed into being a narcissist. Yeah. And they feel safe when they're being worshipped by somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And the bully that was that they were being bullied by, even as a kid, because I think that this can be something that can start out very early for someone, because maybe that bully dad was a narcissist or mom was a narcissist, then that bully goes and bullies this person that their mom or dad is not, but they start learning these, these narcissistic tendencies through being bullied by the bully that is a narcissist. Wow. That's scary to think about for those poor innocent kids out there. I mean, being bullied is obviously hard enough, but then to combat it with narcissistic tendencies, especially at such a young age, you don't even really understand what's happening. Um, it's just a natural reaction. Like, But I guess my kind of weird question for you would be, is that considered like a normal coping mechanism or is it a little bit more rare? Like what? No, because I think that, you know, I, I know I was bullied as a child mm -hmm. and I just, dealt with it in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, especially, I mean, I was born in the 60s. Usually, you know, that's just, and I hate to put it that way, that that's just what went on then. Um, but it, there were not the consequences that there are now for bullies in school. Mm -hmm. There just aren't. Um, but I, I dealt with it in a different way. I didn't go after other kids. Um, I, I didn't do that. So it's also that they, they go to an extreme with it. Something switches and they go to an extreme with it. And who's to say what that switches? Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. what, so there are varying degrees of narcissism. I would think that the extremes way more harmful. That's probably the people that you hear about talking about, like yourself, talking about narcissistic relationships they had. Those are the extreme ends. But what about like more mild cases of narcissism? Are they just as damaging? Is it all the same red flags? I think that we all have some narcissistic tendencies. Um, it's just part of our human nature. But when it's brought to our attention, someone that's not a full-blown narcissist, like if someone said, hey, Maria, you're kind of, you know, taking over the conversation or you're kind of doing this, I would immediately say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, but, and I would mean it. I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. And I would correct that behavior. Narcissists don't see it as their fault. So they really don't like that word, I'm sorry. They might say it in the beginning of a relationship just to kind of trick you again. They don't really mean it. 
It's just they've learned. They've learned that they need to throw that word in every now and then. It quickly goes away, though, to where then they, you know, throw everything back on you. So this is very much conscious. They know exactly what they're doing. I believe that they know a lot of what they're doing. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And then there is um, the really interesting ones are the ones that are out there claiming that they're spiritual. A spiritual narcissist. It's scary because what? they can trick you. So yeah. those are the narcissists that are out there and like on social media that say, oh my gosh, here, and they talk a good talk. Again, you need to step back and go, huh, okay, they say this, this, and this, but I don't see them following up on it. I don't see them doing this and this. So they might say, you know, oh my gosh, I, I meditate every day and I do all these spiritual things and I'm so helpful and kind and I donate money and time. Well, probably if you Google, you just have to do some research on them and you'll find that they really don't donate their time. They don't donate money. It's just all talk. Hmm. So I, I'm also going to say that, like, if you meet someone on social media, like, let's say you meet someone through Facebook or Instagram, and, and in this day and age with COVID and everything, a lot of times this is how we meet people. Just be careful and do your homework. Yeah. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is too good to be true. Yeah. Yeah. I can think of a, a few people that I've met on social media that I thought were amazing at first, but then eventually I just kind of got a weird vibe and I was like, this doesn't seem authentic. This doesn't seem genuine. doesn't seem real. Also, you seem, I don't want to say self-absorbed, but that's like the only phrase that I really have for it. Because that is what most people think of when they think of a narcissist. They think of someone who's the center of their own world. And then that they start throwing out the term narcissist to someone who maybe is rather really just selfish and not really a narcissist. Do you see that happening a lot? I feel like I see that being mislabeled oh, yeah. a lot. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I like that you brought that up too, about the, they're very self-absorbed where whatever they're doing at that time, like if they're writing a book or they're trying to, you know, get something else together for like an organization and that's all they talk about in the conversation. And if you try to add something in or whatever, and you're called selfish, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. And, and again, I'm also going to say, and do your homework. Is it really a real organization? <laughs> is it? Because nothing is real. It is all fantasy. If you really pull everything apart about them, you will sit back and go, son of a gun, nothing was real. Wow. And then what? Then how do you deal with that? As, as the empath who was experiencing that side of the relationship, how do you deal with that? Um, for me personally, I dealt with it as 
I have a great sense of humor with myself. Thank goodness. And I feel like I have to. I mean, come on. I talk to the dead. You have to have a good sense of humor. <laughs> they have a good sense of humor, too. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, I just laughed and said, thank you for the lesson. I will not repeat it. Thank you. Yeah. So it's looking at trying to flip the things that we think are negatives and go, well, no, what did I learn from that? I learned a lot. And usually, um, like if you're dating or married to like, um, if you're a woman and married or dating um, a male narcissist, I'll take, for example, you're probably going to meet a lot of amazing women who will stay your friends. So that, that and you can also just kind of laugh and go, okay, well, that was cool. I met all these amazing women that are my good friends. Now, was the narcissist trying to get in all of their pants? Yes. Yes, he was. Oh, no. Yes, he was. <laughs> but it's a just looking at the bigger picture with things and knowing that certain things happen for a reason. Mm -hmm. And these people, amazing people were brought into your life for a reason. This is just how it came about, but it, it's all, it, especially like with the people that end up in your circle, it's usually a really, really good thing. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And you, that's kind of a blanket statement for most things. It usually does end up with an optimistic point of view in hindsight, but especially in terms of relationships and really bad relationships, almost always when you're out the other side, it turns into something that was a really good thing for you and changed your life in, the, in a positive way. Especially if you have to repeat it a couple times, I think, then you really start <laughs> to believe like, wow, those three relationships were awful. And now I know all the red flags and I won't do that again. Exactly. And, and trust me, I mean, everybody needs to be kind to themselves. I definitely have done it quite a few times where now it's like, okay, I don't have time for that in my life. Thank you, universe. I get it. I understand the lesson. I'm not going to repeat it. And it's really funny because I can feel the my solar plexus right away. It feels off and I'll start laughing and I'm like, yeah, I don't have time for you today. <laughs> I, I know what you're about. I know already who you are and I don't have time for that. And hey, Sarah, quick question for you. Yeah. When you were meeting people, did you say some of it was on social media? Oh, yeah. Did you notice that they did they have the spiritual around them, that they were spiritual? Yes. So I really want to get that out there, too, for women, because that is just one of their things right now how they trick us yeah. and it really messes with our mind because we will sit there going, but they're spiritual. They said they're spiritual because as empaths, we really want to believe that people aren't lying to us because we don't lie. We, we tell the, and especially when we're in a relationship or when we're first meeting someone that it's just know that not everybody has your back. Not everybody has your best interests. And just because they say that they're spiritual, doesn't mean they're spiritual. Right. I mean, some of the most incredible people I've ever met were spiritual, even religious, but some of the most horrid people I've ever met 
were also considering themselves spiritual or religious. So those labels really don't mean anything, because especially since they're so subjective. You know, like what's spiritual to me might not be considered spiritual to you or whatever else. So just because I say I'm spiritual doesn't necessarily mean I'm meeting your expectations of spiritual. And especially as an empath, like you said, because we don't lie, we tend to take it all and be like, oh, okay, so we're on the same page. We have this amazing connection. We know we we know what's going on. So you just I look for my beliefs in other people. So I don't even question it. And, and the narcissist uses it against us. Yes. They, they right away, it's kind of like, oh, I got her. Yep. I got her. And mm -hmm. they'll feed it for a while where we'll keep believing it. But then again, your gut will start to feel off one day and you'll go, well, this is funny. What is this? This feels off. It so will be an off feeling. Listen to it. Thank you for listening. If you want even more spiritual awesomeness, there's plenty waiting for you over in our free Facebook group. Join us for guided meditations, guided rituals, Reiki shares, masterclasses, tarot readings, Q and A's, and plenty of discussions with other modern mystics. This is a totally safe space to ask questions, meet other like-minded, open-hearted women, and our community truly won't feel complete without you. So head over to spirituallyinspired.co slash free group to join today.